Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other music professionals. We're your hosts, myself, Matt Denton, also known as Mojo, of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a recording artist and mix engineer. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Studio, a mastering and recording engineer. Hey, welcome to episode 50. Indeed, welcome. Thank you for joining us as we talk about whatever we're going to talk about. You know, I feel like doing the... Th- Three, two, one threw us off our usual, <laughs> our usual <laughs> jump in, say hey, and check in with each other thing. Yeah. Well, we can do that for sure. But I was planning on asking you questions about your studio tonight. Oh, well, how does it sound? How's my level? Level's good. Mine, I, I haven't even touched anything here as it re- related to my podcast setup. So, it should be exactly the same as it has been. Yeah, you sound pretty much the same as you have for the last, you know, 49 episodes, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> yeah, I've I changed my to... setup. Gosh, I don't. Even, I lost count of how many times I've changed oh. my setup. <laughs> different mics, different rooms, different room treatment, different, I don't know. This seems yeah, pretty I, stable. I, I just kind of have a, a hands-off policy on this. Once, <laughs> once it's working, I just leave it. Oh, uh, yeah. Well... At this point, yes, I am. It's stable. I'm not going to change it. That's going to be this way uh, going forward, as far as I know. Um, right on. So what's a going on, man? Week, man, it <laughs> it's was a long been week. a week. This week has been a month long, no question <laughs> for everybody, uh, <laughs> probably around the world. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, with everything, uh, it's waiting on counts and having. A great deal of apathy toward the whole thing anyway. Yeah. As we're recording this, we are on day, what, four of the uh, election counting. We we don't yeah. have an official uh, new president yet. This is really kind of unprecedented. Unprecedented. Yeah. Unprecedented. <laughs> <laughs> unprecedented and unprecedented. Um, we pretty much know how it's going to turn out, but it is not official. Nobody wants to make yeah. an official call yet. Anyway. That's the nail-biting stress of the week. Yeah, pretty much. I've been, stress-wise, I've I've been feeling pretty good. It's just been long. I've been coming into this week into the time change, at least where I'm at. We have daylight savings time and through the summer, and so we just switch back. and, And I just felt like terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, <coughs> Sunday this past week, and I just felt like I was coming from behind on rest all week long, you know, and I don't recall having such a hard time adapting to a time change before. Oh, well, I, I, I feel like this is the time of year where everybody usually gets sick because their immune systems get compromised. Everybody's kind of either running late or running ahead or whatever. Um, I didn't. We didn't. We did fine until yesterday when when it caught up to us and we all fell asleep at eight o'clock. Um, I've I've noticed it more like I'm getting hungry at weird times than being uh, more tired than usual. But yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in one week. You know, we had Halloween, then we had the time change, then we had election day, um, and you know, continuing to work and all that other stuff. It's been a lot for one week. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad tomorrow's Saturday. I've been working on my studio in my, quote, free time as well a bit. I got my crown molding all run this week. Oh, good. Did you do got, um, scarf joints on that? Um, no. I In the 
field areas, I actually I use butt joints because okay. you can you can glue them and you cut your lengths just like a thirty second long, mm-hmm. and you sort of bend them out and put them together and snap them in, and they get real good pressure against each other, and the glue sets really well. Oh, I like that idea. And yeah, it's a lot better because with the scarf joint, you're relying on the glue itself nail or nails and the yeah. glue to hold it together. You know. Yeah. And so I've had better. I got bad advice and was told to do a scarf joint, and then I'm not happy about the way it turned out, but. Um, oh, yeah. I did do I did do um, coping on the edges, which I I do like that. Yeah, I usually like I didn't with my base molding because it's I'm just using one by four. Oh, okay. And so there's no profile to it. Oh, so it's, oh, that's super easy. Yeah, yeah. My walls are not entirely square, so and I I have a, a profiled molding on the on the base, so. Uh, I, yeah, I, I did coping and it, it turned out really well. They put a little caulk in there and you can't even tell it's a, a joint. Cool. Yeah. I just got some, uh, got to fill nail holes and paint. So I'll be working on that this weekend. And I have some, I'm taking some time off over the Thanksgiving holiday. Okay. Um, I'm actually going to take the holiday and Friday off. And then plus the weekend, and I'm taking Monday and Tuesday off. Oh, that's smart. Following. So I am hoping to kind of relook, you know, relocate everything and kind of set up in the in the new space by then. So we'll see. I'm making a note to myself to ask for time off because I have I've not taken a day off uh, except for that day I had a procedure uh, in a uh, while. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I could use a day or two here and there. I keep, yeah. people keep taking days off at my work and I'm covering for them. I'm like, wait a minute, why am, why am I not taking days off? Let somebody else cover for me for a change. Yeah. I think it's important. You should take time off when you can. So I know I just forget. And I schedule it. So, and in it, it, like six months in advance, Oh wow! it's on the calendar. And once it's on the calendar, it's set in stone, you know? So yeah. Um, it's just, um, you know, got to make it happen. Yeah. If you don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. That's, I was just saying that today. That goes for uh, a lot of things, not just vacation. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking forward. I'm kind of, I'm behind you in my setup because I know you've got all of your acoustic treatments on the wall now yep. and you've been measuring Yep. and, um, you know, getting your room curve and and corrections and things like that, you know, and I'm, I'm here trying to paint some molding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, but you went through all this already. You were telling me how to do it. So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to doing it again though, because it's, everything's going to be different and it's going to be ground up. Yeah. Yeah. This, it's a very cool, it's a cool process. It was daunting at the beginning. Um, and now, now I can literally do it in like, five minutes to be done yeah and the first time it took me like days to figure it out and now literally i did one um at right before i sat down to record this and that's probably why my audio is the wrong output but um yeah because i moved after you sent me that video this morning i moved my speakers a little bit and uh, wanted to see if it made a difference and it it did make a difference in the low did end. it it did but i still have i still have and I had to laugh because I still have the same peak at 150 and the same dip at 250. And that oh. that might just be a room residence thing. Um, 
I have a feeling that it might also be related to the fact that these small speakers are back ported instead of front ported. Um, so they're aiming right at the wall, the base, even though it's supposed to be non-directional, that's where the air goes. So do you have anything that you can put behind them? That would be a diffuser. Oh, they are. Yeah. They're fully, there's fully wall treatment right behind them. Um, yeah, but is it absorption or, or diffusion? Both. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's both. Interesting. So did you move them apart or further away from the wall or both. what did you do? Yeah, I moved them I moved them um, apart a little more and away from the wall a little more. Uh, that was why I bought the... I, I walked to the hardware store this morning and bought myself a little um, tape measure just to have in this room for just to, you know, if I need to check and make sure that they are the same distance from the wall and same distance uh, from the center of the room, all that stuff. Um, on the fly without having to run and grab a measuring tape. Right. Well, that's cool. So, so still had the same, what was that around 250 dip or something yeah, like it's that? Yeah, it's a dip at 250 and, uh, and a kind of a peak at 150, which oh, are, yeah. which are, okay. that's not too hard to correct for. Um, I'm not using DSP like you, digital signal processing. There are dedicated boxes for that. Yeah. And there, you can get software for that, like uh, SonarWorks. Um, Are you using SonarWorks? I am not using SonarWorks. Okay. I tried it in a demo, and I didn't like it. I didn't like the way that it kind of imposes itself upon all of your thing, because I'm not always listening on these speakers. So I don't want it messing with my output all the time. Right. I I agree with you. I uh, I felt like it was intrusive into my system, and... I didn't have the control I wanted over when it was being applied and when not. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm not a fan either. Yeah. And some people love people it. Are. Yeah. But if yeah. I, if this was a, a dedicated computer in a, in a room and I always listen on these speakers, then yeah, that'd be a great idea. But you know, it's a laptop and I move it into the house and I wear different headphones on it. And I, you know, it's just not always the same thing. I did download a, a program called EQ Mac which was recommended on, I don't know, it was one of the sites, or maybe it was in the REW software's documentation. Huh? And it's a, it's like a free open source, um, like a control panel, like a plugin that goes into your system and uh, it sits in your menu bar. You can activate it, set a um, an EQ profile, and then use it and just use it as your system output when you need to. Is it like a, a graphic EQ yeah. interface or what, what kind yeah, of EQ? It's, yeah, it's a, there's a, it's got two interfaces. There's like the, um, there's an advanced interface, which is basically a graphical EQ. Um, and then there's a simpler one that just has like a, you know, a bass, mid-range and treble, like knob looking thing. Um, okay. So there's the simple version and the advanced version. Um, but yeah, you can set a, it's like a, it's just an equalizer and you can set a profile save your save a preset and then use it as your system's audio output when you want to you know affect your eq and then whatever you're running it through speakers or headphone you're getting that profile so i think that's a that's a good compromise yeah that's cool so you can technically you can use that for your correction yes that's what i'm doing so have you have any um su- success with that 250 dip it basically just kind of raise that up yeah and, and those frequencies and is that working for you 
it is working for me. Um, it's still weird. <laughs> um, you know, I'm still tuning my ears to the speakers, so that's a whole yeah. different thing. I am hearing things that I didn't hear before, which is nice. That's good. But I don't, it's like I don't trust it yet for mixing. Um, I got you. I, I'm listening to it on and off for, I don't want to say pleasure listening, but I am p- listening to music through it um, just to kind of help get my ears used to used to the speakers in this space. Because like I've had these speakers for a while, but I haven't really, I haven't used them for a while either. So, you know, just getting, just getting used to the sound of these speakers in this space with music that I know is yeah. tuning my ears to it. So at some point I will trust them. You know, and also at some point you might go, I'm going to, I'm going to make a change based on what I'm hearing, you know? So after a week or whatever, if you're still going, you know, the, the bass on this song just isn't right. I I've heard this song a thousand times on how many ever different systems. Right. And I know this song and I'm not hearing what I expect here. And it's at that point that, you go with your ears then, you know? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because when that clicks, that's when I will trust the sound of these speakers in this room. When I go, oh, okay, I, I I know what this is supposed to sound like. I'm going to tune this or fix yeah. that or do something. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be cool. So that's pretty neat. And so I, you use the moving mic method for your room correction, right? Yeah, so that's interesting. So... I guess, I don't, I don't, how much did we talk about this before? The REW software, which is f- like a free open source. Yeah, not too much, really. I tr- It's like I tried to use that years ago when I first kind of set up these speakers and my little alcove there. And uh, <laughs> that was kind of when uh, I saw that the curve was just so wackadoo um, from that space that I was like, you know what? I'm probably not going to use these speakers for mixing because <laughs> the room... The profile in this corner of the room is never going to be correctable, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty intense sound calibration software with all kinds of features and stuff that I'll probably never use. It's like professional level, but open source and free. And yeah, yeah, I watched multiple videos on it, read the tutorial, uh, and still had to ask you for help and, um, yeah, that one video with with Warren at that studio when they did that moving mic method, I was like, oh, nobody talked about this, yeah. where instead of letting it do a sine wave where it goes from the lowest frequency, like beyond your hearing range to above your hearing range, and it's just like this, and it just right. goes up until it's like ear piercing. Um, and then it measures the room response and comes back with a, with a, a histogram that says, okay, this is what it returned uh, from what it was from the sound that came back. But the other method, the moving mic method is like you put on uh, pink noise, um, which is kind of like the noise that the ocean makes. It's like a full frequency hissing sound, static sound. And uh, you take the, your, your omnidirectional microphone and you kind of move it in slow circles in the area of the listening area, basically. Um, assuming that you've already set up your speakers correctly in your equilateral triangle, they're not too close to the wall, et cetera, et cetera. And you, as you slowly move it, it takes all of these averages. And then uh, you do that a few times and then you average the responses. And what you get is basically uh, an accurate average picture of the room response in the listening position, which is really cool. Yeah. 
And did you do three different measurements and then take averages? Yep. Yeah, it's funny. And I did that, and then I did the sine wave one, and um, it's clear that the sine wave one is more, like, sample accurate because, you know, the, the moving mic version with the, the pink noise is obviously is doing averages. It's like check, 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 and then it just averages over over time. Yeah. Um, but the curve was basically exactly the same. Was it? Yeah. That's interesting. It was interesting. It wasn't exactly, but it was, it was like, it was like the same profile. It was like looking at two mountain ranges that had the same mountains. Yeah. <laughs> so did you get into timing at all? No, I did not do that. Okay. That was something that you had mentioned, but I didn't really see, I didn't really see instructions on that or, or an easy way to do that. Okay. Yeah. You use the REW has a trigger signal. Okay. So it, it will play the trigger signal and then another tone right after it or a sweep. And the trigger signal is when it begins the measurement and then right immediately following is when it detects the other signal and it measures how long it took the sound to get from your speaker to the microphone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. In milliseconds. And then you do that for all of your monitors. And if you've got one slower than another, then you can physically move one or the other monitor to adjust it. And that might be a half of an inch, you know, or a quarter of an inch, whatever, You, you know, you can do it multiple times and just kind of tweak the location to time align your speakers so that uh, your left and rights are reaching you in phase right. to your ears. Yeah, that's and, smart. Yeah. And that's like one of the, I do three things. I do a, an SPL calibration. Right. So, and that's Sound make, pressure making, level. Yeah. And that's making sure each monitor is producing the same level of volume before I do the sweeps and stuff like that. And then I do the time alignment so that they're both reaching the listening position at the same time within a couple milliseconds, at, you know, give or take. And and then I do the like the moving mic method and start doing the room correction based on level matched and time matched calibration. And that I don't know. I'm not sure if everybody does it that way or if that's the right way. That's the way I do it. And every time I I do this, which is Basically, every six months, I go through a calibration just because, just because, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I don't know, things get moved around a little bit and stuff changes, you know, in the room and whatever. And I just want to make sure I trust it. And it's always so weird then for a few days after, it's like, how did everything change so much? (laughs) You know, because it does. And and I, I don't know exactly why that is. It might be somewhere... The speakers are six months older. Yeah, that could well be that there's some kind of like if you bought brand new speakers, it's probably like when you buy brand new jeans or something and you yeah. break them in, you know, the fibers relax a little bit and then you wash them. You know, I think that, you know, if you're playing speakers and, you know, the cones are paper or whatever and you're playing them at different levels of different music and over time, somehow they're just going to they're going to relax a little bit, I think. Yeah. You know, copper and wires can oxidize and start affecting the signal. And I don't know, there's a whole number of things that could happen, I guess, but it's also what kind of clutter do I have around the studio? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that's something that's uh, that's uh, interesting. And I'm, I'm trying to, I tried right off the bat as I got comfortable uh, sitting here in this space and sat here more and more to make sure that the things that are around me are consistent. Like I have certain things and they're just stationary there. And maybe they have a pad of paper that comes and goes. But other than that, more or less, it's the same. Yeah. Now you did mention um, doing uh, SPL for each monitor, but yeah. um, uh, I did read also that you're supposed to do separate left and right um, measurements for the EQ curve too. Yeah, um, I do. Yeah, I do a three time average for each monitor, and then a three time average for everything together. That's the last thing I do is the entire system together you know once i have everything calibrated the way that i want then i run the uh the full room system but with my dsp i actually make correction for each speaker oh that was going to be my question so yeah. you have the dsp and it allows for uh separate measurements for the the different speakers yep that's cool yeah because it's interesting because two identical studio monitors have a lot of you know there's differences in how they're actually, what their frequency response and how they're producing sound, you know? Yeah. And some of that may be things that are around them, where they're located in the room and just the environment. Right. It's, it's 40, in my studio, they're 48 inches apart, but on the right-hand side, it's a lot different over there than it is on the left-hand side, so <laughs> it's not identical. And so these, you know, they, they have some differences in how the environment around them are producing sound. Mine are 38 inches apart. Oh, are they? <laughs> I can tell you because I got my brand new. Is that, <laughs> Is that from the uh, dust cap to dust cap? Yes. Yep. Did you actually touch the dust? The dust top. I can't talk. <laughs> dust cap. Are you talking cap? about like the 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 this the cone dust cap? Yeah, right in the middle. No, I was just doing uh, edge to edge. Okay. Um, center to center. No, I can't quite actually. Well, you're probably your it. measurements are off by like three and a half, four inches. Then. Yeah, it's more like if it's center <laughs> to center of the woofer, it's forty three inches. Okay, so your head should be forty three inches from each one of those, right? In theory, yes, that's correct. <laughs> Closer to um, 38, but that's just because just I'm sitting next to this microphone. Yeah. I do tend to lean back, but um, not when It's I... interesting with, with near fields that uh, there's a distinct difference between leaning back and leaning into the zone, you know, yeah. that you've got, you know, or forward of it when you're really tired and you put your head on the <laughs> desk, you know. <laughs> or when you lie on the ground because you just can't yeah. take it anymore. <laughs> um interestingly okay so this is this room is a rectangle um and of course uh, it's it's multiple purpose room and you know i don't i i can't it's not a fully dedicated studio that just belongs to me so i can't really there's certain things that i can't do but yeah. um i did read something interesting which was that somebody did a calculation and said in a in a rectangular room the optimal listening position was uh 38% away from the nearest wall like the nearest short wall yeah i've i've heard that too and it's you know there's like a rule of thirds yeah i think and, that's kind of what it is and so if I if I do lean if I do lean back to where my head is basically where I've measured a third of the room is um, that is pretty much the optimal listening position. Yeah, I I just not sure how accurate that is with near field monitors. Good so point. With a set of full range 
speakers that they're they're not tuned like near fields are, you know. So you're they're loudspeakers for medium sized rooms or greater. Yeah. You know, I can see that being the case. My studio's not set up in thirds at all. Because near fields, they they're very directional. And, you know, when you're sitting in the field area, it doesn't seem to change where you're at, you know, based on where you're at in the room. What really affects is what you have going on on your walls around the side and behind you. Yeah. And if the stuff that's in front of you, if you're treating your room correctly around you and and behind, the stuff that's in front of you doesn't matter too much uh, because you're not getting any any direct reflections off of that front wall. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Anyway, yeah, it's uh, that is going to be a big change for me, though, when I move into the other area, because I am going to be setting up in thirds, basically, for that. Oh, and, that will be interesting. Yeah. So we'll have to have this conversation again, but interviewing you about your treatment and, <laughs> yeah. and how it's changed. So, yeah, uh, I'm really, it's going to be a lot of dramatic things that I haven't been able to do where I'm set up now. I wish I had maybe set up the way that I'm going to be. But I guess, you know, that's the whole learning thing. And, you know, I'm looking forward to to the big change. and, and <laughs> The big change. Yeah. You know, and getting used to it and going through the whole process and figuring out if it's working or not. And yeah. trying to, you know, I'm trying to plan right now to make sure this thing works out. And, you know, it's just going to be a matter of making sure I've got adequate absorption and diffusion. Those are the two key things, I think. And where you place that stuff is important. Right. Yeah, there are certain tricks like um like sitting, like, you know, you get your you get your equilateral triangle with your monitors a certain distance apart so that they don't collide sound wise with each other and then you sit back. And then um you can put a mirror, have somebody or you can put a mirror on the wall from yeah, your listening just position. Say that. And yeah. if you can see the speaker in the mirror, that's where you're um, sound absorption needs to go. Your primary yeah, sound absorption. or diffusion. Or diffusion. I also heard that diffusion may be more effective behind the speaker than it is off to the side. Yeah, that's where I've concentrated most of mine. And I think that's interesting. And because I, I wondered, most of the stuff that comes out the backside of the speaker is going to be your lower frequencies. Yes. And how effective is diffusion with low frequency sound waves that depends on like on a quadratic diffuser the depth of the recesses versus the height of the peaks of the the diffusion segments Mm -hmm. okay and so they're frequency specific specific their range and so like the ones that i have behind me in my studio they're for they're like 400 up to 45 maybe 5k um, effective diffusion. So you've got to have for sub frequencies to get down into like the 150 to 200 range. You need to have like like nine and a half inches of depth <laughs> of those um, the recesses in your quadratic diffuser or something like that. You know, wow. yeah, you know, like a like a seven like a like a one by eight. Uh, so seven and a half inches deep. You know. I think might be like 250. So even with a like a like a one by ten at nine and a half inches, you're still not below a hundred hertz diffusion. Hmm. If you know what I mean. 
And yeah. so what kind of frequencies do you think you're actually getting coming out the back of the speaker? Um, that's hard to say. There's a, uh, the, the curve on the, um, the curve in the manual shows them rolling off after about 80, but there's, I mean, I'm definitely getting sound below that. Yeah. Um, um, but it is a, it is a, it's a curve. It's not like a steep roll off. It's more like right. a six, you know, like a 60 B curve as opposed to like a 12 or 20, 40 B curve, um, from the response that I'm seeing. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, these are these are smallish speakers. Um, so to me, it seems like like bass traps mm -hmm. would be more effective behind the speakers than diffusers. That's it. Just seems that way. I don't know. I'm actually going to experiment with that. I think. Yeah, the corners, the in the corners, level above and below the speakers do have bass traps in them. Yeah. So I have diffusion behind the bass traps in the corners, and then. Diffusion absorption on the walls. See, I built my own bass traps, and they're in the corners, built floor to ceiling. Yeah, I saw those. Those are very cool. And they're completely stacked up with uh, three-inch rock wool, and it's about 14 inches deep. So I've got 14-inch tri triangles of... It's 14 inches deep. The front is about 22, 23 inches wide, because mm -hmm. the outside edge is 24 inches. and and so I've got like a, a a really dense stack of of rock wool, you know, like 15 inches or whatever deep there that I don't actually know what the frequency response on these are. I'm going to have to, I can find out from the rock wool manufacturer what that actually is because it's designed for um, sound. Right. Yeah, that'd be interesting to find out. I mean, that should absorb a lot of, yeah. a lot of but stuff. There, their calculations are based on the insulation being placed in the wall. So it's three inches thick. Right. And, you know, for their soundproofing. And, you know, so this is 15 inches thick because I laid it flat. Um, it's got to be way down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, um, you could take a measurement with it out of the way and then put it in and take a measurement and see what the change is. Yeah, they're actually built in. They're not coming out. Ever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I wrap my crown molding around them, and oh, my base molding okay. ties into them. And they're they basically are part of the the room now. So, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, they're nailed into the wall, and that's how. It All goes. right, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think just with some math on that, with the manufacturer's calculations. So if it's if it's this at three, and you can probably. Uh, calculate what that is at 15 then so yeah maybe five times so now what do you do on your floor because i i saw that you have it looks like uh wood laminate on the floor yeah um i like i have a carpet that i set up my desk on and my chair sits on but i like some some open floor mm -hmm. and because there's that gives some activity to the sound in the room you know yeah yeah um i don't mind that at all so having um, the, the key is to knock down the standing waves, but it's okay to me to have things a little bit live. Yeah. I don't like, a, I don't know. I'm not, I was never trying to build an anoic and echoic chamber. No. <laughs> I like a I little bit of, you know, I really, live. I don't know. I, I really haven't ever felt that that was a good critical listening environment. I think it's a good calibration, you know, of microphones and speakers and mm -hmm. measuring environment. Right. But it's unnatural for listening. Like nobody listens to things in that, in that kind of environment. Agreed. Yeah. 
I haven't needed that. So I, I've always enjoyed having some liveness to the room. And so uh, I, I mean, I'm well um, dampened down with the acoustic absorbers and and I think diffusion is really good because it keeps things live, but it, it knocks down standing waves. And, mm-hmm. and um, um, so I'm a big fan of that because it, uh, you know, it isn't just trapping stuff. It's allowing sound to live in the room. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, speaker stands? I actually have speaker stands that I built myself out of uh, some two by fours and scrap wood. And uh, it's, just, it's got some like little felt pads that it's sitting on and then. My speakers themselves are sitting on some closed cell foam on the top pedestal. Mm-hmm. And I have them, <laughs> unfortunately, I have them set so that they're perfectly set up so that for these particular speakers, the tweeter is right at ear height. But when I upgrade these speakers, then that will no longer be the case. So I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that too much. But <laughs> A quick story here. So I used to manufacture um, monitor isolation pads. Really? And um, so I've actually got a pair that I built and they are a closed cell foam core. And then I've got a quarter inch steel plate that is on them and wraps around the front. And then on the top of that, then it's got a quarter inch of like neoprene rubber. Okay. That sits as a pad, which is what the monitor sits on. And I've got those uh, isolation pads are sitting on top of my monitor stands, which are about, I don't know, they're, they're 36 inches tall and, you know, in that neighborhood. And so they're well isolated from the stand. Mm-hmm. And then the stand itself provides isolation as well. I always felt that I did measurements on these back when I was making them, and they made a very large difference into the amount of resonation that the monitors would introduce into, like, the furniture and the room around them and the desk and things like that, you know? How do you measure that? I'm curious. Um, That was measured with and without using a uh, microphone and basically doing room and and. Uh, observing the changes in the, you know, and frequencies that were present hmm. with or without the isolation pads. That's cool. And yeah, anyway, so that's, that's what I use. They're actually pretty cool. I got about 50 pair of unfinished ones back in the <laughs> shop somewhere. And <laughs> it was actually really difficult to, um, to, to do them. I was the, they're all, they're all powder coated, oh. like getting, and they look really nice. I got red ones and black ones. Um, and the, but the foam is a pain in the butt, <laughs> you know, to cut accurately and to look nice and yeah. perfect. And, you know, so there's some specialty tools like hot wire cutter type of stuff. Oh, wow. And uh, went through a few, quite a bit of a learning curve and, and, and money on foam, trying to figure out the best way to get that foam in and make it look like perfect, you know, because yeah, yeah. anyway, <laughs> I kind of decided that I didn't want to continue on manufacturing stuff because I really really spend time working at the desk. Right. So I got a, I got another question. I, I just read this like literally this morning or yesterday, or maybe it was, <laughs> maybe it was in that video that uh, you sent. Um, I've always seen diagrams where when you're the, you know, the apex of the equilateral triangle for your speakers, if the speakers are basically pointed right at the apex. So like you could sit at the apex and look at your speakers and you would only see the front of the speakers. Um, but I think that that guy in that video mentioned that you're not supposed to do that because you lose some of the uh, 
you lose some of the spatial orientation. Um, yeah, you need to take that with a, a little bit of understanding that he's talking about audio file application I see. in that video. Um, and that may be maybe not in an exact context as what we're trying to do. I see. So less and, of a critical listening and more of a... Yeah, but I think a lot of the stuff that he said, and that was, here, I may as well, what's his name, Paul? I believe it was I Paul. Like it. Yeah, it's PS Audio, okay? And they're, the guy's really knowledgeable. Look him up on on YouTube. I enjoy his video. He gets into um, a lot of technical stuff about setting up you know, your audio systems and different types of components and how they work together and why some components are desirable and how to match amplifiers and speakers together and things like that, all kinds of stuff. And uh, in this case, how to set up your speakers in the room was interesting and how that affects how they're positioning and relative to the wall behind them and the spread between them affects the frequency response of the speakers and, and how they um, work together in the room. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. It was really cool. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of that is just, and, and he says this all the time, it's just experimenting and you know, what ends up sounding good to you. And, right. But with my studio monitors, when I look straight at them, they, I didn't really do it based on where I'm sitting. I want to not see the sides of my monitors at all. I stood behind my monitors and aimed them. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and so like my right monitor is, is aimed at my kind of like my right cheek, you know, just mm -hmm. not exactly on center. It's, it's more a little closer to my right ear and my left monitor is a little closer off center to my left ear. So they're kind of meeting in the center of my skull. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of how it's lined up. And that happens to be, I can't see the sides of my monitors. It, I didn't set them up that way based on how they look. It was where they were pointing. Yeah. yeah. And then also when I get in front of them, you know, if you, if you center yourself and you look to the right and you look to the left, that speaker for me is basically just pointing right at my face when I turn towards it. Yeah. 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 That's how I have mine. I was just curious because I hadn't heard anybody say not to do that. Yeah. And I think in, you know, in more of a full range speaker, that's, uh, you know, um, in a, in a larger room, then when you want to start working with your stereo image, yeah, and, which is what he was talking about and how that affects the separation of channels. You know, if you get them, if you get them too wide, your, your separation is going to completely divide and you're going to have like a chasm between left and right, you know, and I think it was a matter of working that together so that you're hearing the image that you expect to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a perfect thing for reference tracks. Yeah, yeah. Once you get them into space and then start working on their angle or their, their skew in the room and how they're pointing at you. So, And I think that's also largely speaker dependent. What kind of, of um, response into the room does the speaker actually have? And, and how, how is it producing the, the sound that's coming from its driver's? You know, so it may be different for every speaker. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I just thought of, I, I think I want to do is uh, just play some music that I know and then have a microphone going and then just kind of listen to it through the microphone and then kind of move the microphone around the area of the speaker and see where the different responses are and what it sounds like in different parts of that corner of the room, et cetera, et cetera, just for just to kind of get a better 
sense of what it's doing. <laughs> Not a bad idea. So, you know, that I've never tried that, but I got to imagine that what you're hearing through, especially if you use like your Omni mic. Yep. But maybe in that case, rather than pointing toward the ceiling, which I, something I meant to ask you, did you do toward the ceiling or did you do horizontal pointing toward your drivers? Well, for the moving mic, I did what they showed in the Warren Hewer video and I kind of moved it pointing more or less towards the the monitor between the two speakers. Okay. I do too. I, I think almost every measurement I took was pointing either on center or if I was, well, actually they were all pointing on center. Even when I was doing left and right, I didn't point it right at, I was always pointing it in what my head position is expected to be. Uh-huh. I don't know if it probably doesn't matter with the Omnis. I don't think it matters with the Omnis, even though I saw one video said pointed to the ceiling and the other video said pointed to the screen. I'm like, eh, it's an omnidirectional. It shouldn't matter. Yeah. But it, I, I think it's just the, my brain going, I'm looking this direction. So should the mic. <laughs> so. Yeah. We didn't really even talk about it. I think we might've talked about it last time. Um, yeah. The mic that I picked up is a, I don't even know. It's a Behringer um, uh, E. CM 8,000, they cost about 70, 80 bucks new. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's just supposed to be a really nice flat frequency response mic. It's very similar to the one that you see that comes with the Sonarworks and the one that comes with the, the IK Multimedia similar thing. I don't know right. what it is about this shape that all of them look just like this, but they, yeah, they all look just like this. It's like a, I've got it's like a one wand. that looks just like it. It's the 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 U mic two, I think it's called, and that was I got that with my mini D, mini DSP. Yeah, I think that's what minidsp.com or something they sell those. Yeah, yeah, they sell the whole shebang and have the videos and everything. I, I didn't actually get it through them because I found it on eBay for like thirty bucks less, and so I ended up. Yeah, that's where I got this for like sixty bucks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's almost new. I think it's a factory reefer, but uh, yeah, box manual thing. Then I've got one other one. It's it's a it's a DBX. It came with uh, my drive rack that I use for for uh, front of house stuff. Cool. But yeah, cool man. That uh, was actually a pretty neat conversation. Yeah, I know. You know, and the thing is, it's 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 like a big dark hole that you can fall into and talk yes. about for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know? which is perfect for longer podcasts but <laughs> <laughs> like this one yeah yeah this was good all right man it's uh, dinner time here gonna go right ahead in and make some tacos <laughs> all right buddy thanks everybody for listening thanks for tuning in and yeah uh, cheers cheers have a good week have a great week all right and right. <laughs> bye bye well, that's it for another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, leave us a comment or a review and share with your friends. Hit us up on our website at IndieMusicCast.com. Find myself on Twitter at Mojo's Army. Find Douglas on Twitter at Rezo Studio. Thanks. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>